0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Brownian Notion. I'm Gogol.
1: And I'm Ananya. And today we are joined by our lovely producer, Anna. Hello. Hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. So, Gogol, what are we talking about today?
0: So, today we actually wanted to talk a little bit about a more serious topic, a more somber topic. We want to talk about grief and loss. Given the the current world that we live in with the pandemic and, and everything, I think all of us, we have lost some things in our life. Or at least we know somebody who have lost it might be a job, it might be a loved one, it might be the basic stability or even the mental health that we require to go on in our lives. It might be even the the hope that keeps us going. And I feel that we all go through losses small big in our life yeah but nobody teaches us how to deal with the grieving part of it because all of us grieve in different ways i'm not saying very different ways but i think people cope with things in different ways and Mm -hmm. nobody teaches us that and i just wanted to talk about the more vulnerable part of us
1: kind of reminds me what you said that no one teaches us to grieve. It's one of my favorite movies, Dear Zindagi, where there's a therapist who tells his client that as a kid, you're always told that when you're sad, don't be sad. Wipe your tears and stand up. Right. And you're not allowed to be angry. Anger is a bad emotion or you're not even taught how to love properly. Really. Exactly. So these exactly. are basic emotions that we face throughout our lives. And we just come up with our own coping mechanisms, sadly. Right. Yeah. Uh, And so hopefully this episode does for others who have either lost something or someone and they resonate a little bit.
0: Exactly. And so that they understand that it's okay to grieve. It's okay to take your time. It's okay to feel like shit day after day and still have the courage to come back and say, you know, that, Things will get better. Yeah. This is the hope that we are mm-hmm. doing this episode with. Anna, do you want to share something with us?
2: Yes, yeah, so when you told me about this topic and you asked me whether I wanted to be here, I think you already had in mind what I'm going to share. Yes. Of course, the passing of my grandmother uh, mm-hmm. from my mother's side. So I grew up with very tight connection with my mother's family because, you know, we are all in the same village. Mm-hmm. Every weekend we all get together and my grandmother yeah. was actually living with us. So mm. I spent a lot of time with my grandmother growing up. And the thing about her passing is that it was very symbolic for me because it marked the end of my childhood in a way because it was just after I moved out of my parents' house. I moved to Lisbon and after around a half year, more or less, of that, she passed away. She had um, some uh, medical complications because of her age. And I think, I think, I don't know if you have some similar story, for me it was like her passing away was like, oh, this time of my life is over, you know? So I was 22, I think. And I realized this is my last connection to this generation and to mm-hmm. this time, you know, like the summers we will be together in my parents' house, in our house as well, in silence, you know, just in the garden or with my cats, you know, just this
1: yeah. very,
2: um, this was over. And and it was it was very difficult to process. I think I, I really shut down to people a lot yeah, because I felt like I didn't know where to come back. You know, I didn't feel safe to come back even to home somehow. I couldn't enter, for example, a room for more than a year because in a way yeah. I wanted to believe that she was still there. Mm. <laughs> You know, so I don't know if you have some similar story. that
1: I do, actually. So it's very similar. And that's why I was listening so silently. My grandfather passed when I was on my mom's side when I was 25 or 26 or something. And I was in grad school. We get busy. I would hardly get the chance to call him. Honestly, I mean, I could have tried harder. I didn't. Hmm. And at first it hit me that day. And later when I went back home in the winter, like I usually do, I saw that while I was very aware that he's definitely not there, I would still enter his room or his house and just keep looking for him. Like yeah. very subconsciously, I was doing that. Like there was a chair he would sit in. He would come and nag me to eat more. <laughs> you kind <cannot laughs> of look
2: over your shoulder, right? Like, oh, is he yeah,
1: there? Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, it's like, is he there? And the weird thing is, this might be very unscientific but whenever i go to his house even now which they are going to sell off so that is another uh, loss i'm experiencing it breaks my heart <sighs> yes b- because that house has been there for generations literally um and there's no one to live there anymore it is a beautiful house and whenever i go there i just feel a presence like i'm like i'm a scientist this is not scientific this cannot happen but there's a presence like he's there i feel like i can tell Um, I don't know. Like his books are there. His things are there. His clothes. He loved perfumes. And it's just everything is there exactly because my grandmother moved out. She was the only one. She couldn't live there alone. And With his passing, I feel like I lost my grandmother too because she's just not herself anymore. They had a pretty big age difference. So she knew this was coming, but no one is prepared. And yeah, she's just a different person now, not the grandmother I used to know who was very um, bold. She couldn't care less about the world. And now all she does is care. And that scares me a little because I feel like I should prepare myself for the inevitable But the person in front of me is not the person I grew up with. So it's just very hard. It's a very complicated situation whenever I go back home.
0: My story is also a little similar. But at first, I just want to tell you, I feel like there are a lot of things that might be unscientific. But if you feel it, it's there. It's as real as it is.
2: Because your brain cannot really tell the difference. Yes. That's the point, right? Yeah, yeah. So if, if, if you get to the house and your memories of your grandfather is somehow tricking your brain mm-hmm. to feel him there because your memories are real to your brain, right?
0: So if you feel it, it's real.
1: It, it's like a loss of a limb uh, yeah. almost. Like yeah. I have read stories where people have lost their limbs and they're like, it's supposed to be there. Where is it? It's That's like right.
0: that. My story is a bit similar to yours. Yeah. Um, Regarding that, I'm also talking about my grandfather passing away. I was very close to him. And I was also the most pampered by him. So whenever I wanted something, I didn't have to even tell him. You know, I would just say, you know, like this. And he would buy it for me. I was very pampered. So this happened when I started studying. First year in college, he got very sick. So my mom moved there in his house because I didn't really want to leave my mom there alone because a little bit of backstory here the situation in that house wasn't very welcoming it was quite hostile because we had a lot of family problems with my uncle and his family so i moved there with her she was taking care of my grandfather because the the other children wouldn't so she was taking care of my grandfather and before my first semester exams first exam so it was just beginning so um so I decided that I cannot really study in that house because it was really chaotic. It was like really not a very nice place to stay. It was very hostile at that point. So I decided that I'll just go to my apartment to study and yeah, just give my exams from there because I would have more more space to to concentrate. So the day I'm leaving for my apartment, like I'm just like sitting down to have have lunch and then I see my mom shouting on my grandfather and she was shouting on him because he had kidney failure. And this is a very common thing that happens with diabetics. but. You know, in this age, he just really wanted to eat a lot of sweets. This would be like a ongoing tussle every day that my mom would fight with him that, you know, you are you are going through dialysis and you are not supposed to eat sweets. And he would say, you know, I will not live long. So just give me some sweets. And this would go on and on. I was in a lot of stress at that point. I don't know what to expect. My first semester exams and this is happening. I'm trying to leave, packing everything. So I'm just trying to focus on what I have to take. And in this whole situation, I kind of went and shouted on my grandfather. I told him, hey, don't you understand that my mom is here in spite of all all hardships, in spite of how hostile the situation is, just because of you, just because she wants to take care of you. And you are behaving in a way, you are not even helping her. Instead, you are behaving in a way that, that actually hurts her. Don't you understand? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Do you want my mom to be sad? Do you want to hurt my mom? That's, that's the only thing you want, I feel. And then in my rage, I just went out and I went to this apartment. And I thought, okay, uh, next day I have a physics exam. I'll give the exam. I'll go back. I'll tell him I'm sorry. Because of course, I loved him a lot. He loved me a lot too. He passed that night. And I didn't even get the chance to tell him that I'm sorry. And I've been, I've been trying to tell this story for a very long time now for this reason. Because I really carry along this grief with me all the time and this has shaped me in a way that i think a lot before saying something like that which is kind of permanent
1: yeah
0: and yeah so i
1: it's a hard burden to bear
0: yes i understand that looking at these things with a rear view mirror everything looks much easier but at the same time i think maybe i should have said sorry before leaving that's it
1: yeah no, I understand because mine is not the same, but it's similar. So the day my grandfather passed, I was supposed to call him and I did. But I got so busy, I spoke to my grandmother and I said, I'll call back later. That's it. That's the day he died. So that burden doesn't go away. Right. You just remember it
0: right and the thing about unscientific or like the thing that we were discussing about i also feel that sometimes that house is also sold right now so i cannot really go to his room and look at his things that is not a possibility for me anymore but i still feel him at times i don't know in my subconscious somehow because a lot of times you know growing up and probably Ananya will know this very well because this is something that you get told a lot when you're growing up that oh you know you are like that relative, Mm -hmm. you know? And I've always been told, like, I'm really like my grandfather.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so
0: I feel that connection in my subconscious all the time. I know it doesn't make any sense whatsoever.
2: Nobody ever told me that I was like my grandmother. Uh, But I do sometimes, I wish I could be more like her because she was badass. She was so Mm -hmm. badass. Yeah. She was this pillar of the family. And she was, like hard and soft she kept some mental clarity you know so my grandparents didn't really went to school you know she didn't know how to read or write or anything they were farmers she managed to go around in a world where you really need to know how to read and write <laughs> she would like spot if some money was missing you know she would do all this math even without the schooling and I remember uh, when she was retired, she was already like 80 or something. She decided she wanted to learn how to write. And she was so excited about learning how to write. And I don't know, for me, so inspirational. That is. So it's somehow she became like an inspiration. But I just hope that I can keep this clarity
0: yeah.
2: and this strength to just do it things my way Mm -hmm. while keeping empathy with people around me because she was this super mother. You know, she will always be worried about their kids and trying that everybody gets along. So trying to make things right. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. So somehow you are compared to him, to his image. So, and for me to be more like, I aspire to be uh, her in some sense
1: weirdly it's so weird that my stories are almost like a combination of what you and Deba said because my grandfather he was an immigrant from Bangladesh and when he came he didn't even have like 10 rupees to his name and so he also did odd jobs to get to where he was and when I was born he had almost like a mansion to his name and so the privilege I have is because of him and it's it's so weird. And you know, like Deba, he also used to love investing. Mm-hmm. Like he had so much knowledge that I could never learn from because it was too late by then. And yeah, he was just this powerhouse. And he also had so much empathy. Like if anyone asked for money, he would just give it. He wouldn't even ask why you need it. When will you give it back to me? And yes. he just had abundance, I feel yes. because of that, because he was so generous so yeah a lot to learn right. from him as well i feel
0: yeah uh, similarly i would uh, i would just share this story because he really liked telling this story to everyone he could find as you said uh, kind of rags to riches so he was born kind of with a silver spoon he was the son of the uh, of the doctor of king in rajasthan at some point they were so rich that uh, they could you know ride a bike in their courtyard They had all the musical instruments in the house. He was only bathed in rose water and nothing else. And then what happened, both his parents died like in a matter of three months or something. And the people who were his guardians took everything over and kicked them out, him and his brother. So from Rajasthan, Rajasthan, for those who do not know, is a state in Western India. They actually uh, hitchhiked all the way to, to Bengal. And basically from bathing in rose water every day, they didn't have one blanket for each of them. So they would like get these like blankets that that you can cut through and they would cut it into half and they would share it and sleep on the road. And from there, he became a lecturer for WHO. So I think, as you mentioned, I am what I am because of of the hardships he managed to face and do so much great things in life, I guess. And I'm so proud of that. And I just hope that that I can make him proud in a way.
2: So it seems like my story from Portugal and then you guys from India, and we get somehow this universal connection to our grandparents. I was actually not expecting that all of us will bring somehow grandparents' stories. It's really interesting. So what was this process of, of the grief? How did you... Um, dealt with it what kind of stages i don't know do you want to maybe share something about this
0: this is one of those things that has shaped me as a person i feel as i said i'm i'm much more mindful the things that i do right now because of this incident and every time this whole incident comes up when i'm talking to a therapist or even talking to somebody about my life story they immediately tell me that this is one of those defining moments of my life so what i went through was for the first i think one year i was kind of angry i was just angry that he didn't give me the opportunity to tell that i'm sorry my mom keeps telling me that he knows i and i also think he knows but i was very angry that you know Couldn't even give me that much of time that I just wanted to come back and say sorry. But of course, he didn't know that. And of course, it wasn't his choice, right? I understand all those things. But yeah, so first few, I think one or one and a half years, I was very angry. Then I was a bit, I don't know, maybe uh, trying to console my own self, saying that you did your best. You were trying to stand up for your mom. You were trying to do the right thing. That's what I did for the, I don't know, next couple of years, I guess. And then slowly I've started to internalize it a bit. Think about life and the fickleness of it. Started to understand and feel really that everything that we do has some implications and some of those implications are permanent. Um, So yeah, just trying to be more mindful of the people around me and the way I behave with them and the things that I say and do. It's not always easy. I mean, I'm not saying that this is easy, but... This is, this is how I have, I think, dealt with. I'm still dealing with it. I think I'll always deal with it. <laughs>
1: it it yeah. doesn't
0: go away. But uh, I think this was how it was for me. What about you, Ananya?
1: It's so bizarre because it's similar. And I guess people grieve in similar ways. So first, I will digress a little bit because I still remember vividly the day I got the phone call. And as an immigrant, that's the most dreaded phone call, right? Like you wake up to several missed calls. Since then, I have not been able to keep my phone on airplane mode ever. Yes, I actually, it was similar because I was in a different city.
2: I I didn't pick up the call from my parents at night and only in the morning. And I felt so
1: guilty. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, that guilt just doesn't go away. I feel it'll never go away. I keep my phone on loud and (laughs) messes up my sleep cycle so badly but yeah so I remember the day I got the news I did not know what to do whom to tell so I called up my then boyfriend and he basically was silent the whole time when I said will you say something he said I just don't know what to say so while that is probably a very normal reaction after my grandfather passed, I was like, yeah, I don't want to be with somebody who behaves like this when I'm going through absolute shit. I don't know why. It was probably unfair to pin the blame on him a little bit. And since then, I feel like my coping mechanism has been that my mom resembles my grandfather a lot, like uncannily. So I try to be kinder to her in a way. It's all—it's almost like my way of being nicer to her, being there for her because I was not there for my grandfather and even their natures they look similar their natures are also so similar that sometimes she does things which just remind me of him it's like he's in the room so I just try to be nicer to her in a way to make up for the fact that I wasn't there for him in his last days yeah that's my way of coping yeah Anna do you have a coping mechanism?
2: Yeah, So I think what maybe is a bit different from your stories here is that so my grandmother was quite old by the time she died. So in all this, you know, her dying and then the funeral and everything, all of us had these kind of mixed feelings about it because she wanted to go. She had this medical problem. She was completely dependent on us. And she just was always such an independent and strong woman. And then, you know, being in this situation where somebody has to be there with them and she was not happy with that. So she was like, okay, it's for me time to go. You know, I had a good life. Um, So in that way, it was a bit hard because it's like we wanted to be sad that she went, but at the same time we were happy that she had a good life. And that mm. we could be there for her, right. you know, like that she felt comfortable in her last days. And in this case, the grief is a bit weird, you know, because you are like, I miss this person so much. But it was time to go. Right. You, you kind of feel sad, but you really don't even know where to put that sadness into. Yeah. It. I, I don't know how to explain this. Can you? Yeah, you put it very well, actually. So for me, as I said, it marked like this end of my childhood. Um, So I would go back to Lisbon and I think I kind of created two lives, maybe not very healthy coping mechanism. It took me a couple of years to merge the lives again. So I will go to Lisbon and I'll be like, okay, I'm a new person. This is the blank state, Mm -hmm. you know? I can rebuild myself. I can even reconstruct my belief system. And then every time I would come back to my parents' house, it was as if um, I was just coming back to the last day I was there. So if I... In six months, I was six times in my parents' house. Only six days have passed since the funeral.
0: You're not letting your brain move on, kind exactly, of.
2: Exactly, exactly. So I, I always had a bit of anxiety every time I would like step into the house. So this was my coping mechanism. I'm not sure if it's very healthy. And I was not talking about it. And Deborah knows how it's difficult for me to talk about things. I think it took me maybe four years or three years to start talking about her and then when i start i was not stopping <laughs> yeah and and again it's interesting because when i start talking about her that's when i decided i want to study again i want to be myself again and when i allowed to be myself again then she came back to my life so talk to people i'm learning this with Deba.
0: yes <laughs> You're doing very good, Bala. It, it was very difficult for me to talk about it as well, especially about my guilt. I was talking about, yeah, my grandfather died, about the thing like it is a fact, because it is a fact. But I wasn't talking about my guilt and uh, how much that was killing me at that point. It affected my relationship. I was really irritable all the time at home. And later I have started realizing that, you know, that I kept blaming myself. And, and even if you are not blaming yourself, it's very important that you talk doesn't have to be like to your partner, to your parents. It can be anybody, some random person. I think we mentioned this in one of our episodes. You shouldn't expect everything from one person. That's very unfair. But do talk. Do talk to people, anybody. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. If he listens to you and if you feel comfortable with it, do it. That's a very good place to end this conversation. Given the subject matter, maybe we shouldn't have a recommendation section for this.
2: But I do have a recommendation, see, I I always have, not always, I have a recommendation because, so when I start talk a lot about my grandmother, right, this awakening, it was more or less the time I met my partner, and he's not really into reading, but then he said like, okay, you got to read this book. It's a book by Terry Pratchett, I know it's surprising, we're talking about grief and I talk about Terry Pratchett. Pratchett, It's called The We Free Men. Okay. And the thing about this book is that the heroine is a girl. She's like, I guess, 14 or something, Tiffany. And she grew up with a grandmother. And of course, grandmother at some point died. And, and there was this moment. I actually read the quote because I think it's beautiful. It's, it's really good. So it starts like this. So this is Tiffany talking. Um, now I know why I never cried for granny, she said. She has never left me. She leaned down and sentries bent with her. And now Tiffany talks again. The secret is not to dream, she whispered. The secret is to wake up. Waking up is harder. I have woken up and I'm real. I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. You cannot fool me anymore or touch me or anything that's mine.
1: That, <laughs> that was, was beautiful.
2: beautiful. Yeah. So the hardest part is to wake up.
0: Yeah. On that note, I think we'll just end this episode. It was really nice that you joined us. Sorry if we were a bit too somber, but I think we should talk about these things because this podcast is there for a reason. It is there so that we can talk about all things that make us human. Not only the good things, not only the happy things, but also the sad things sometimes. And that's how our lives are. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.